So I want to ask y'all a question. Was I the only one up here having an encounter with the Lord? Because I'm telling you something. I don't want you to think about it right this second because it's kind of messing me up. I mean, I'm not exactly what you call the most emotional person in the world. And I get nervous when people start crying and doing stuff. But, you know, but I don't get nervous when I start crying. But I sort of did get nervous. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Well, you know William Bell? How many people know William? You know, he was in a terrible car accident. Can you put that picture up, Denise? Mm-hmm. William came by the first service this morning. He has a cane. He's still got... That was the car he was in. And he lived through that. The man uh, went to sleep that hit him, just had been working all night and fell asleep. Well, actually, Matthew and I met that guy. Uh, boy, he was messed up, but of course, because at that point they didn't think William was going to make it, but, uh, but William came to thank us for praying for him. And he shared a powerful testimony of the, just the healing power of the Lord and uh, the goodness of the Lord in his life, how the Lord you know, he's now making more money and, you know, he's a postal employee, so he couldn't get unemployment because they didn't lay him off, but he wasn't getting a paycheck. But he's making more money in two days with his business that he didn't want to start, that he started before the accident because God spoke to him to do it, making more money in two days than he was making in a week working for the postal service. Um and he he just was just testifying, gave us that testimony of, of how God has met him, and he we prayed for him. You know, he one of the things he said he's would rather be whole on the inside and broken on the outside than whole on the outside and broken on the inside. We prayed for him that he'd finish getting whole on the outside, um, which I believe the Lord is. You know, it's sort of crazy sometimes when you pray for people. I don't I don't have this figured out yet, but. Like, we went over Thursday and prayed for Sue, and it was like praying against a uh, locked door. That's the way it felt to me. Like, a, you know, you just, you pray, and like, finally, you know, me and Matthew and Marlon, I like, I, like, ugh, my prayers are sort of weak today, Lord. I don't feel no faith getting released. And, and so I, I mean, Judah was with us. I got Judah to pray. Maybe he can pray. Maybe he can really release something. But, but then I remember when we went and prayed for William, it was like they were thinking he was going to die any moment. We prayed for him, I thought, he's fine, let's go. You know, he's going to live. I mean, that's just a mystery to me. But I'm going to pray for everybody, you know, that I know, you know, that God opens the door for us to pray for. And it was great hearing one that God saved and brought back to him. They brought him back from death three times. Uh, he died three different times, you know, from a doctor's perspective. And they brought him back three times. And so he's alive today. The Lord's using him powerfully. Um, and he released a blessing on us today. And the blessing was that, you know, that we would, you know, well, he released that financial blessing for one thing. Anybody want that financial blessing? Did he really raise your hand and catch it right there? It's in the air. Yeah. That blessing that the Lord gave him. And uh, just a blessing of, just, of wholeness is that he released to us. So I want you to receive that, if you can. Thank you for that, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for William and the testimony that he's carrying now and you're using to help a lot of people. Amen? The Lord's good. So, anyways, I'll try to do this. I'm trying to get out of that gear I was in. Lord, have mercy. Let me read this scripture to you. (laughs) That's all the way I know how to do it. Let's just get out. 
Listen, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, that's a very uh, living scripture for me because it really, uh, if you look at it, he, he says, I spoke, I understood, I thought. Now, the way I look at that, I reverse that. I think, I understand, I speak. Okay? I think, I understand, I speak. And what it is, is I, what I know that God has been doing in my life for a while now is training me how to speak how to t- speak his language. Matthew 13, 19, it speaks about uh, the word of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, the language of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God has a different language than we have. Okay? And, and what God wants to do is teach us his language. Now, the one example I have, which is a great example, is, you know, I got this CD of by a black man, he's a professional counselor, a believer named Dr. Ron Elmore. And the name of the message is, How to Love a Black Woman. Okay? And so I give it to all the people who are getting married, uh, all the young white boys marrying white girls, and and they hear this, How to Love a Black Woman. (laughs) But really, it's a great message. He spoke it at a a Manpower, T.D. Jakes Manpower Conference. Uh, but what it's about is, and every man needs to listen to this, and every woman needs I'd go back and listen to it because I have it's the source of my trouble in my home. If I have any sources, Becky speaks a different language than I do. Okay? And, and so we have this communication breakdown because she speaks another language. When she says something, she ain't really saying what she's saying, as far as I'm concerned. You know, but she's saying something else. And so I'm trying to figure out what she's saying. And, and so men, all the men in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have no clue what your wife's saying, why she's saying it. You wish she wouldn't say it. You're getting mad. That's where you need that revelation. She's just talking another language, and I don't understand it. And it's frustrating me. But um, that's the way the kingdom works. The kingdom has its own language. And God wants to teach us how to speak that language. And so God began to deal with me. And I, I began to ask the Lord to deal with me with my words. because and, and, the, and what happened to me after I prayed that prayer. I want you to pray that prayer. Everybody in the room, let's pray this prayer. Lord, help me with my words. I want to speak your words. Now, this is what happened to me right after I prayed that simple prayer, is I got a firestorm of people upset with me because of what I had said to them. And I distinctly remember one day I was, I was, in the, I was at the Y, and I, got, I went and got in my car, and there was this phone call I got as I got in the car. And it was like one of those phone calls, after you answer, you wish you wouldn't. You know what I'm talking about. This person was so upset with me, it was unreal about something I had said to them out there in that lobby a couple of days before. And they were just, I mean, just massively mad at me. You're the pastor and you said blah, blah. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, hold on a minute. You took took it wrong. I didn't mean, you know, that. That was not what I really said. But in the middle of me trying to explain it, this thought came into my mind. That prayer you just prayed, you asked me. And I realized right then that I was in school. 
I was in God's classroom. And he was dealing with me. He was speaking to me about my words. And I just sort of, sort of shifted gears on this person, it, you know, like in mid-sentence. Like when I, that thought came, I just sort of like, well, yeah, okay, you're exactly right. I'm so wrong. I'm so sorry. What else was I going to do? <laughs> you know, Even though I really didn't mean it the way she heard it, but God was dealing with me about my tongue, about what I was saying. And so what has happened is, you know, it's just been this journey um, you know, the, the, I don't know if I just said this, but I said it already. Here's the way I look at this. The thoughts are the seed. The understanding is the tree. And the words are the fruit. Okay? So if you're going to change your words, you've got to change the seed. You've got to get a different seed. You've got to get a different thought. Because ultimately, what's in your heart, Jesus said what's in your heart, your words literally are a picture of the depths of your heart. And he said this. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 12. He said, you are going to either be justified by your words or condemned by your words. That's what Jesus said. They're going to do one or the other in your life. They're going to either justify you or condemn you. Um, Because the Bible also says in Proverbs that the power of life and death are in the tongue. There's no in-between with your words. You, you can't, it's not like, oh, there's a middle ground. There's no middle ground. There's either li- you're either speaking life or you're speaking death. There's no, the Bible gives us no other. In fact, the Bible says we will be judged for every idle word. You see what, see what it is? they're trying to get us to see? That everything we say has, has influence, has power. Okay, the Bible tells us in uh, um, Matthew or no, Proverbs twenty three seven, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, so your thoughts turns to an understanding, and your understanding turns to words. And the life, the life that you and I have, the, my little world that I have right now, I've created my world with my words. You've created your world with your words. Now, you may say, no, so-and-so, or this, or the governor, or that. No, this is the truth. If somebody else is influencing your world, you gave them permission to influence your world. That's right. You allowed right. them. In other words, if somebody upsets me, and I begin to spew out stuff at them, I have allowed them to come in and influence me mm-hmm. instead of making a choice keep my mouth shut, you know, walk off or whatever. Are y'all following this? Yeah. And so you, you, God wants to teach us how to use our words because this is the truth. Nothing is happening in the kingdom of God until something's said. Okay? Nothing happens in the kingdom of God. The Bible says this in Hebrews eleven three that God framed the world by His words. Uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrases that as, words are not just saying something, they're making something. Your words are making something. They're creating an atmosphere. They're creating your life. And so when you look at your life, if you don't like your life, guess what you need to do? Is you need to change what you're saying. And in order for you to change what you're saying, you need to change what you're thinking. Because you're thinking something wrong. That's why the renewal of the mind is absolutely critical in the Christian's life. Because we're incapable of speaking. I, I don't believe, this is what I, I don't believe in thinking like God. I don't think that's even possible. Okay? But I do think it's possible to have God's thoughts. Okay? I, I think it's, and I think God wants to give us. And, and the only way to have His thoughts is to have a renewed mind. And to walk in that renewed mind. 
That's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, your life is going to be changed and become what it's supposed to be because your mind has been renewed and your mind has different thoughts which will eventually result in words which will change your life. Are y'all getting this? This is really, you know, this is a journey, I'll tell you that. Becky and I decided this, uh, this week, we're going to have a day where we are not going to, we're not going to say anything bad. Well, before that day out, we had a terrible argument. And I was saying all kinds of terrible things to her, you know, that I shouldn't have said. I mean, that's just, see, there's a, there's a war. I heard uh, somebody either quote this or tweet this or, you know, something this. But they said, this is what they said, the religious spirit will settle for positive words. Okay? God's not just interested in positive words. God is interested in His words. Okay, so we don't want to just settle to, you know, like in our home, we're, we're not just trying to settle to say stuff positive. We want to be speaking the Word of the Lord. We want to be speaking what God would be speaking in, a, in that situation. Okay, instead of just having a like, you know, positive's good, but really positive is not godly necessarily because I hear positive things said about stuff that's not positive. Okay, now, let me read this little thing. Oh, this is something that I think is really important. This is a thought. There's something that needs to happen in my life that's waiting on me to speak to it. Okay, there's something that needs to happen in my life that needs me to speak to it to cause it to happen. There's something that's needing to happen in your life that's waiting on your words. Wait on you to speak to that very thing. You know, God will get you in all different ways and remind you about what you're saying. Uh, recently I was playing golf and I was having a bad putting day and I said, I just can't pull with a hoot. And the person with me, yes you can, Byron. You're a really good putter. And at that moment it was like God was speaking to me. You're creating a world. You're going to be a bad putter over your words. I know that sounds trivial to you, but it's not to me. Because <laughs> I want to putt good. Because I found out you can lower your scores if you putt good. All right, praise the Lord. Y'all are just, come on, Genesis 15. We won't go into the, the golfing world. That's another world. Well, I will tell you this. I was thinking about it. I was driving down the road a couple of weeks ago thinking about golf and thinking, you know, I'm not sure I'd recommend anybody get into this game, okay? One, it's expensive. Two, you never can master it. I can't stand things I can't master. They drive me crazy. <laughs> Anyways, let me, let me read this story. This is a powerful story that really has just been speaking to my life so much for a while. Now, just in case you're interested, this message is about prayer. Okay? Because I believe that if there's something, if there's anything that right now that's important, is that we be praying people. But I'll be honest with you, I am not just interested in praying just any prayers. Okay, I'm not, I, want, I want the right prayers. So I'm, I have this real call on my life to pray. Okay, I'm just looking for the words that need to be said. You know, because I don't want to be praying something that God has no interest in doing. Or it's actually going against the plans of God. And without the mind of Christ, you can't pray good. Okay? All right, now this is a story about Abraham. The father of faith, okay? This was when he was still Abram. It was right before he became Abraham. But this was after he had been called out 
of his homeland and sent out to a place that he didn't know really where, you know, he was just sent out by God and he had to kind of figure it out as he went. Uh, and so this is, this is where he is at. So one day, here's Abraham. He's sitting in his tent. Now, now this is a, if you can put yourself in this story, you can get a lot of revelation out of this because I have sit in that tent for a long time in my life that, he, that he's sitting in. Okay? And so here he is sitting in his tent. And after these things, it says, I forgot to take my thing off. It's only set for two minutes and it cuts off. The iPad. Everybody should have an iPad if you're a preacher. I'm telling you, this is the best thing in the world. If you've got some other de- tablet device, I'm sorry for you. Let me just tell you this. This is what I did. This, I did the, this is hilarious. Larry Faldo. Y'all know Larry. Cheryl, this was, she was here at Christmas, okay? And we were sitting in there, and, and we were talking about, we, somehow we got to talk about iPads and that other thing, Kindle. And I said, man, I would not buy, I would not buy my dog a Kindle. That's the things. That, I said, that things are a waste. Why would you get anybody a Kindle? I said, Cheryl, what you need to do is get Larry an iPad for Christmas. And she just gave me this scalding look. Because guess what? She had bought Larry for Christmas. <laughs> a Kindle. And she let me know, Larry loves that Kindle. I said, well, okay, I'm just going to be quiet about it because I don't want to get in trouble. Anyways, as these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Everybody say, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now, saying, do not be afraid. Sometimes when the Lord comes to you, it's scary, right? Anybody had that experience? The Lord comes, and it's kind of scary. I mean, because here's why God does this. I tell you, He does it. He knows how to get you. He gets you alone at night. There's nobody else around, and you're in your house, and it's dark. And you feel like God is coming in the room and you're thinking, I feel scared. You ever had that experience? Like, I'm scared, Lord. I'm like, what? what's going on here? I feel scared. And it's God coming in. God wants to visit people, but you're going to have to overcome the fear. Because God can scare you, man. I'm t- Has anybody ever been scared by God? Yeah, some people have. I'll tell you, the people know. Because he said, don't be afraid, Abram. So the Lord had to calm him down. So he was having this vision experience. And the Lord, the first thing the Lord had to do is tell him not to be afraid. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Now that's what the Lord said about himself. But, if I get to say but. but. It's not but God, it's but Abram. Okay? But Abram said, Lord God. Now the Lord had already just told him this wonderful thing. Lord God, what will you give me? That's the question. What will you give me? That's a question everybody in this room should ask the Lord. What will you give me? Because see, God wants to give everybody in here something. In fact, God's already given everybody something in here. God wants us to experience what He's given. Is anybody looking for God to give them something? Two people. Good Lord, I am in the wrong show. Hey, I am desperate for God. I don't know about you. I need God to give me some things. I mean, I need God to do some things in my life. And I hate to tell you, you do too. And if you don't believe that, you are just living in a bad dream. <laughs> Say, Lord God, Lord God, what will you do for me? What will you do for me? What will you give me? So there's the question. And then he goes on and says, I go childless. 
And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one is born in my house is my heir. See, now he's having this conversation with God. You know, God's his exceedingly great reward. He's saying, I don't, you haven't done something, Lord. Has anybody had that kind of discussion, or would you like to have that kind of discussion with God? Mm-hmm. You have permission to have that discussion with God because the Father of Faith had that discussion. Okay? You haven't done this, this you haven't given me something. There's a list of things that I've got that I'm talking to God about. Like, well, you haven't done this, you haven't done that, you haven't, and it's not like an accusing thing. I'm just having a discussion, like Abram did. And behold, everybody say, the behold. The word of the Lord came to him. That's what is going to happen when we ask the Lord a question. The word of the Lord is coming to us. Now here's the trick on the word of the Lord. Okay, Here's the trick to hearing God. This is very clear in the scripture. Most people don't hear, the God, hear God because they're trying to hear him with their natural senses. Okay, They're struggling to hear God with their natural senses. And the Bible is very clear in 2 Corinthians that the natural mind cannot hear God. It cannot connect with God. In fact, it says it's, it's the things of God are foolish to it. And so you, don't, you hear it by the Spirit. That's how you hear God. And so when you quit trying to hear Him, because you, so you can't try to hear God with your spirit. Did you know that? You can't. You, I don't know about you. I can try to do a lot of things in my, with my flesh. I can try to see something. I can try to hear something. But I can't do any of that with my spirit. There's no trying with my spirit. My spirit doesn't try. It's incapable of trying. It was not built to try. It was built to receive and rest. And when, when I'm trying, nothing's happening. Have you ever noticed, let me just point this out to you. Have you ever noticed you're trying to hear the Lord about something? Praying, God, I, you know, I've got this problem. And then you got in your car and you're driving to work or whatever. And you quit thinking about your problem and suddenly these thoughts start pouring into your mind. And it's yeah. the answer to your prayer. Right. And what happened? You quit trying. Mm-hmm. You quit trying, and it was there. And you just started receiving it. If you just pay attention, you'll, you'll catch that. Because it is there. That's, the, that's what the Bible says. Second Corinthians. Go, I'm not going to read all that, but that's really important. Anyways, um, are you all okay? Yeah. All right, good. So, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So the Lord told him, no, this guy, he's, this guy's all right, look. But I'm not interested in this guy. I've got something else for this guy. This guy's got his calling. We've got to get a hold of your, your boy. You know, you're going to have something else. Then he brought him outside. Everybody say, then he brought him outside. And he said to him, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. This is a famous scripture. Out of, uh, quoted in Romans 4, he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him uh, to, to him for righteousness. In other words, the Lord gave him an account that he's righteous. The difference between Abraham's righteousness and our righteousness, the only difference is we are righteous. God just said, okay, I'm just, you're going to be righteous because I'm accounting it to you. I'm, like, I'm going to give you this. For us, we're righteous. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. But the, the, the sameness is, is faith. It's faith both ways. Because Abraham believed, that's, he exercises faith. Now, here's the key. The key is this, is verse 5. 
it says he brought him outside. Okay, now that's, that's the, the phrase that got me on this story. Is Abraham was sitting in his tent, okay? And so I went and sat in a tent, okay, to try to get the sense of this story. I went in a tent and I sat there because I wanted to catch this because I knew there was something to sitting in a tent and having to get up out of that tent and leaving that tent and going outside to see something because it says God brought him outside. And the Lord began to tell me about, about my tent. He said, you're, you're in a tent of little thinking and you've got to get out of where you are to bear to hear what I got to say. You can't stay in the tent. If you stay in the tent, Abraham, you're not going to be able to see what I got to show you. You asked me to speak to you. I've got to get you from where you are to another place. Now, this is important. I've got to get you from where you are to another place so you can hear what I got to say to you. Because you can't hear me right now. You can't see what I've got for you right now because you're stuck somewhere. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? A lot of people are stuck in their Christian life. And God is answering their prayers. You see, your life right now, I don't care who you are, it came about because somewhere you said something, somewhere you made this agreement with somebody, God or the devil, you know, and it created this world, okay? And, and so you've got a world, and you're dealing with this world, okay? And, and, and you may be discouraged because your world it's not so good. Abraham had been sent out by God, and there he was sitting there, you know, sort of like, gosh, I've done what you told me to do. I'm stuck here in this stupid tent. I'm stuck here. I did everything you asked me to do. I'm stuck here. I don't have a child, which is kind of important to me to have a baby, and I'm an old man. My wife's old. Can you put yourself there? And God was saying, Abraham, you've got to get up from where you are, son. Come out here with me and I'll show you what I have for you. Now, here's the story that helped me as a young... This really happened to me as a young Christian. When I got saved, I lost everything I had. This is, not no, this is no stretch of imagination. This is no lie. I had a brown paper bag with my, all my earthly possessions in it. And part of that in that brown paper bag was a sheet to sleep on and cover myself up with. And the rest of it was a few little bit of clothes I had. And I lost it all because I got saved. You know, you're thinking, well, I got saved, abundant life. I mean, this doesn't look so abundant to me right now. This is kind of looking a little meager, you know. And fortunately, my sister let me sleep on her couch where I covered myself up on her plastic couch. (laughs) You know how you sleep on a couch and you wake up and you're stuck to it? That was my daily life. Okay? But I lost everything. And this is what somebody told me. They said, Byron, everything the Lord takes from you, the Lord is going to replace. Okay? So I learned that to be the truth because the Lord did that. But what that person didn't tell me was between the time the Lord shuts the door and the time there's another door open, there's hell in there. There's hell to pay. And as some person shared with me after the first service this morning, a famous quote by Winston Churchill, if you are walking through hell, keep going. 
And here's what happens to a lot of Christians. The door has shut on what was in your life. It's shut. It's done. And when God shuts the door, it's like when God opens the door. The Bible says He opens the door that no man can shut. And when He shuts the door, I don't care how hard you beat on that door. You can stand all day long screaming and crying. That door's not going to ever open for you again. That door's done. Believe me, there's claw marks on some doors in my life where I have clawed on them trying to get God open the door. Open the door, Lord, because that door down at the end of the hall is on fire. There's fire down there. I can't get through that fire. You've got to keep going because I kept running back to the door. And so, you see, you, what the Lord was trying to do is He was trying to get, out, get Abraham out of the place he was to get him in the place he wanted to take him. And see, a lot of people don't get out of the tent. They just stay stuck there. They stay stuck right where they're at. They stay stuck in their little thinking. They stay stuck in what God was doing. They stuck, stay stuck in what, how God was using them. And their lives never they never They never were able to go on with God. And they have this sorry Christian life over it. And, they want, and they're blaming God because God did it, did it to them. God sent me out here in the first place. God put this calling on my life in the first place. God asked me to do something. And then He's done left me to sit here and rot and die. And when the Lord says, no, you get up from where you're at, you will never get on. You've got to get up and move on with your life. Have you, are you, am I talking to anybody besides me? I'm having this encounter, personal encounter with the Lord in church. Then I'm preaching to myself in church. Woo, thank you, Jesus. All righty now. Listen to this. Well, let me... Let me read this verse to you, okay? I didn't give it to Denise. It's Jeremiah 1.5. This helps me so much. Because this is the truth. What God has for you, what God has for you and me, He's already, He's already prepared us for. He's already made, it's already there if we let it happen. It, okay? This is what He told Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay? So I'm going to give you my, my spiritual theology here about that. I think I've shared it before. I love sharing it because it irritates people so bad when I talk about this for some reason. I believe this. I believe I existed in heaven with God before I ever became an embryo with my mama. I believe I was in heaven, and one day God called me up and said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to send you to earth because... Every one of us in this room, we're on a mission here. You're an ambassador whether you know it or not. I'm going to send you to earth, Byron, and this is the plan for your life. And he rolled out the plan for my life. This is who's going to be your mom and daddy. This is how they're going to be. This is how you're going to be raised. This, all these things are going to happen to you. And this is what I want you to do with your life. Will you do that? Yes. Well, here's the only catch in all of it. You cannot, you will not remember this conversation until you get back here. And so you come to earth and you have to discover those, that plan. You have to discover the destiny. You have to discover the purpose. You've got to discover. And a lot of people don't discover because they're sitting in the tent. They only got so far down the road in the plan and then they stopped. And they got stuck where they were at. They couldn't go to the next thing because they're stuck in yesterday. They're stuck in what God did do with them. 
We don't want to be those people, right? They're stuck in yesterday's move of God, yesterday's revival, yesterday's ministries, yesterday's callings, yesterday's relationships. Then it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So everybody in this room has been set apart by God. God set you apart for something. See, He already has this thing working. And then the last thing He says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. I appointed you. So you, He knew you. Okay, He set you apart. And He's got an appointment for you. And all God is asking us to do on this journey in life is to discover those two things. Discover that He... Well, three things. Number one, discover that He really does know us personally and intimately. Okay? That was what was happening in worship for me. That's why it got out of control because I felt the breath of God on my face. I felt Him knowing me. I felt Him loving me. I felt this encounter of intimacy with the Lord, which is embarrassing (laughs) for me to talk about intimacy for some reason. It's hard on me. Some people like Ryan Mead, that's not hard on, but for me... (laughs) I just think we're not really getting into this bride of Christ thing real easy. I'm going to get there, though. And then he wants us to know we've been set apart for something. Not just to be good Christians, but I, there's a plan, there's a purpose, and there's an appointment for every person in this room. And that's why, from time to time, God comes to you sitting in your little world, your little tent, and asks you to come out with him, to get up. Ask you to leave what you've been. Get out of that thinking you've been. Get out of that discouragement you've been in. Get out of. Get out of whatever. You know, only God can show you that. Everybody say this, Lord. I'm right here. I want your word for my life. Oh, trust me. Here's what happens. There's havoc. That's what I call havoc. Havoc is getting drug out of the tent. That's the. That's the hall. That's the door shutting behind you. Uh, I want to go back in the tent. Oh, the tent's closed, son. You can't ever go back in there again. You know what happened next, uh, if you read the rest of that story, is there was this, this encounter with the Lord that scared the fire out of Abraham. It says this terror came on him. Ooh, you know, thank you, Lord, for the terror I've got. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to die here, you know. I, got a, I was happy in that tent, kind of. I, I was real happy compared to how I feel right now. Uh, one of the things uh, that I found about the Lord which I cannot stand, okay, is God... It, this is what Abraham said, and I think it's in Genesis 24. He said this something crazy, man. He said, God, God caused me to wander. Want, not wander, but want, with an A, wander. Like, I'm wandering around on this earth. And, and it's God's fault I'm wandering around. God's plan for your life has, it's like a, it's a zigzag. See, that's where all, everybody goes down here. God calls us to go here. I want you there. Now, come on. And He takes off there. Are you following what I'm saying to you? And you're saying, God, what in the world? You want me here? Why, can't, why don't I have to go that way? Well, there's things I want you to see. There's something over there. You got, see, that's what my, You know that song, Prone to Wonder? People, some people don't like that song. I love that song because I am prone to wonder. And God put a wandering heart in me. Now, He didn't put a heart to wonder from, from Him. He put a heart in me because Abraham, it says, God calls me to wonder. I want you to get to know how God leads you. Let's go wander around over the land, Abraham, and we will get there to the promised land. But we're going to wander around for a while. 
And so when you begin to accept that about God and get over the fact that, you know, Precept Ministries, y'all know who Precept Ministries is. This is not a commentary on Precept Ministries. But Precept Ministries has a thing that says, line upon line, precept upon precept. And if you read it, it's a terrible, it's Isaiah 28, verse 3, I think. It's a terrible rebuke. The Lord said, I do not want to lead you that way. In other words, I don't want to lead you. I'm not some line upon line, precept upon precept God. I'm a zigzagging, wandering all over the place God. That's how I go. And if you're going to go with me, you've got to go that way. Does anybody hear what I'm saying to them? And see, once you get that settled in your heart, it sort of comforts you a little bit. I mean, not totally, honestly. Because, you know, like, uh Don't you feel that way about the Lord? I'm like, God, please. I mean, why are you doing this to me? Does anybody else feel that? Are y'all okay? Is God trying to talk to anybody in this room? I mean, God wants to help us to get out from where we are. All right, let me just read this one other scripture to you, and then I'll stop, okay? I'll give Becky Davis credit for this one, since she's not here. It's Jeremiah 15, 16 through 19, okay? This is Jeremiah's version of what happened to, uh, to um, Abraham. Your words were found, and I ate them. Ooh. And your words were to me joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Does that not sound like a Holy Ghost meeting to you? Oh, the Lord spoke to me. God's called me to do this. Oh, I'm, I'm so touched by God, I don't know what to do. The Lord's been so sweet to me. It's just precious. It's just sweet. Have you ever had that experience? Well, that was Jeremiah's experience. But the trick is, he says, For I am called by your name, Lord. Oh, Lord God of hosts. Oh, Lord God. I'm called by your name. I'm just, I'm on top here, baby. God has spoken to me. I'm, it's sweet. I got a sweetness in me. I've ate something awesome. I'm, I'm happy. I'm called by the Lord of hosts. And because of it, I did not sit in the assembly of those who make me. Uh, Lord, you know, those people are having a good time over here. But because of your call on life, I'm not, I'm not hanging with that crowd anymore. Nor did I rejoice. Ooh, I sit alone because your powerful hand was upon me. Ooh, for you. Now, all of a sudden, see, he's shifting into a complaining mode here. This is not good. This set, not sitting in the assembly of those who make merry and, and, and not rejoice. And that's not a good thing. See, he's shifted into the complaining mode. He's starting to talk to God about what he didn't do because of what God's done, God's powerful hand on him. You have filled me with indignation. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? Are y'all following this? You should be following it. Set your hide down there because every one of us have done this. I know I have. You know, just, Lord, why? Why, Lord, is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable refusing to be healed? This is the prophet. Why? Anybody ask the Lord any whys lately? Will you indeed be like to me a deceitful brook. Now, this is pretty strong words coming. Like the waters that fell and are uncertain. Lord, you're just so uncertain. You, are, you have failed me, God. You haven't done what you said you were going to do. Where were you, Lord? Why didn't you meet me? Am I the only one in this room who goes through stuff like that? You know, 
like feeling like Jeremiah, feeling, you know, what's the deal, Lord? Well, I hope you're hearing God, and I hope you're hearing yourself in these scriptures this morning. Therefore, thus saith the Lord to Jeremiah. So the Lord had an answer. I got an answer for you. Now this is very powerful in the Amplified. If you return and give up this mistaken tone, mistaken tone of distrust and despair, mistaken tone of distrust and despair. I hear a lot of Christians, and that's that's the tone of their voice right now. I've had that tone. You know, and the Lord's saying, you need to get that up. Then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety. I'll give it to you again. I'll settle your heart. I'll take care of your heart. I'll settle things down. I'll put safety on you. And you will be my minister. And if you separate the precious from the vile, listen to this, cleansing your heart, all right, I'm telling you something, cleansing your heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness. Man, when that morning, when Becky read that to me, it felt like somebody shot an arrow right through my heart. Because I realized, Lord, I am just so sorry. Because I've had a tone in my heart that's not been heaven's tone. I've gotten tuned to something else here. I've had the mistaken tone of distrust and despair working on me. And I definitely had some unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness. Isn't that what happened to Eve? When the Lord, when the devil came to her and said, "Hey, you know," the Lord said, "You couldn't eat all the, any of the trees." Oh, well, we can eat that one. Well, the Lord's hiding something from you. He knows if you eat that one. See, there's this unwarranted suspicion that was planted in her heart. This suspicion about God, because God is not doing what I believe He's supposed to do. I'm, God is not doing what I thought He was supposed to do, or God's not even doing what His Word says He will do. I mean, I think we all had to face that. You know, why, Lord, why do you pray for somebody and they die? Or why do you pray for them and you won't even let the prayer get through the door? You know, it's like the door shut. Um, I was asking Marlon about that with Sue, and he was saying, I think, she's, I think she was done. I think she's already punched her ticket and was headed home. And, you know, we couldn't override her will, but... But I think, you know, this is, this is how you and I are going to get out of where we're at. If we're stuck somewhere, you know, we have to really allow God to take, you know, and get real with God about what's going on inside of us. You can't live in what happened to you that was bad. That's, that's your tent. Well, the church wounded me. There's your tent. Get up and get out of that tent. Come on. That tent's done. 
Oh, well, my ministry failed. Get up and get out of that failed ministry thing. Or my wife left me. You know, we could, you know, whatever it is. Or I lost my job. I lost my career. You know, God didn't heal me. Or God didn't heal my friend. God didn't do this. God didn't do that. God didn't do that. You know, you understand what I'm saying to you? And God really wants to help us. And He wants to help us. See, to me, that what this says to me is, Byron, you, wanna, you want to have the right thoughts. Here's the wrong thoughts, son. This is, these are the wrong thoughts that's creating this fruit in your life that you don't like. Because it's creating words that are coming out of your mouth, and your words are destroying your life. And you're wondering why I'm not healing people? You're, you're wondering why you, when you speak things, and they don't happen, and, and, and this stuff is going on inside of you? And you're wondering that, son? I mean, you know. But it's a good day when God talks to you like that. When He offers you an opportunity, you know, to, to get real with Him in the realities that are, that are in your heart. Are you okay? Y'all don't feel like this is some, some heavy-duty thing, do you? <laughs> it's not. Well, it might be, but... If you do that, you'll, you shall be my mouthpiece. And God's looking for... You know, now, the mouthpiece... That's really important. Mouthpiece. In other words, you, your words are going to be God's words. Your words are going to have some power. We can sit here all day long and yell at the devil or yell at this thing, you know, and declare this, decree that. But if that stuff's going on inside of our heart, there's a disconnect there. Because Jesus said, you people honor me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. He just said, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't like that. I, don't, I want your hearts to be near to me. And if your hearts come near, and you let me touch your heart, then these words are going to line up with this heart that's been touched by God. And then things can start changing in your life. You can come into that new place with God. You can step out of the tent, see the stars. I see the, I see the door down there. I see the hell in between. I'm marching right down there. I'm going to get through this hellish moment in my life. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to walk through it. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to turn around. I'm going to not accuse God. I'm going to keep marching. And I'm going to walk through this next door. And things are going to be better in my life. In fact, things are going to be great. Because God has an unlimited mind. Okay? And we think limited thoughts. All right, so this is what I was telling the Lord recently. I said, Lord, I need $5,000 a month just to live, just to get my bills paid. 5000 that's a lot of money. I mean, I remember when I had a friend that was making 5 bucks an hour. I thought, man, he's making a lot of money. And you know what the Lord said to me? That's small thinking. That's small thinking. You think it's small, 5000 Don't think small. I said, okay, how about 10000 then? Not that I want to have $10,000 for a bill, but okay, I need 10000 then, Lord. I don't know what I'll do with the other five. Maybe I'll just give it to the church or something or give it to, you know, His Heart Missions or whatever. Give me 10000 a month, Lord. I'll do whatever with the five you want me to after I play a couple rounds of golf. and <laughs> You know, let me have a couple rounds on you, Lord, please. But see, this is what, what I'm trying to t- get to you. For me, the tent was the limited mind. Getting out of that little thinking, those little sorry thoughts, and, and beginning to go outside and access the thoughts of heaven. Begin to access His thoughts and allow Him to say to me, those thoughts that you have, I don't really like those thoughts. 
Don't be suspicious of my goodness. You just you believe in the goodness of the Lord. No matter what happens, you believe in Him. You keep marching when things don't go right. You keep going. You keep going towards me. You keep going. Because there's a door there, and you will step through it if you'll keep going. Now, it might get a little hot if you stop. <laughs> it gets a little hot. All righty, y'all want to just stand up? Is everybody okay? I'm really having a hard time reading. reading uh, oh, the Lord's good, though. It doesn't matter how what we're... I just want people to know, I want you to know, if I could say, listen, this is really important right now, okay? I want you to know this. I want to say this to all the people who don't read the Bible regularly in this room, okay? God wants to talk to you through the Bible, okay? He really does. He wants, so I want to encourage you to read the Bible, Okay, I just want to encourage you to read the Bible because there's something that God, He wants to reveal His Word to you like you. It's just amazing, I think, that God's speaking so much through, through the Scriptures. For me, it's what I live on on a daily basis. And I believe we all can have that if we want it. It's where God speaks. Uh, you know, some people, hey, this is really cool. If you have a really nice mobile device, like an iPhone. I don't know about the other ones, but <laughs> I'm sure this works on most of them. There's these things like Bible Gateway app or uh, other apps that you can listen to the Bible on your with your phone. Like driving down the road, you can listen to it. You know, in different translations. That's powerful. You know, if you don't really have time to just or if you don't feel like you've got time just to sit down and read the Word, you, you've got the Word with you on your iPhone, not to mention you've got it in your heart. It's already in your heart. And what, when we read the Bible, what it does, it activates what's in our heart, the Word that's written on our heart. And when, you, when you think that way, it really does happen. There's an activation that happens. And here's what the Bible always does. I'm going to tell you this. This is what it always does. It always brings you back to Christ. It always, I tell you, it always, everything goes back to Him. Everything in this world is all back to Him. Every revelation, every dream, everything eventually is going to take you back to that person, okay, of Christ. God wants to reveal His beauty, I believe, to the church, okay? I believe the beauty of the Lord is what's going to change us because we're going to behold the Lord, how beautiful the Lord is, how awesome the Lord is. Okay? And I want to tell you, I want to say this. I mean this. Long. The Lord is awesome. The Lord is beautiful. And the Lord is worth everything. He's worth us giving it all to Him. He's worth us laying down these bad feelings and thoughts towards Him and choosing to believe He's a wonderful God. He loves me. He's gracious. I don't understand all this. I don't even have to understand it. And I believe as we begin to do that, God wants to be intimate with us. He really wants that closeness with us. That friendship, that joy, that that's really what all this is about in the end. It's all about really it's all about being caught up in Him. Okay? It really is. Everything leads to Him. It's all, you know, the Bible tells us this. This is like another message. I'm sorry. But this is important. I feel this really strong in my life. Is It says this in Corinthians. No, Ephesians. 
all things in heaven and in earth will be brought together, be summed up in Christ. Everything. Every, everything in heaven and everything is going to be summed up in this person. This person. This person. He's a person. When he went to heaven, he stayed a person. Because he said, I got flesh. You know, he's walking through walls and doing crazy stuff. Kind of a hint, like, hint, hint. You can do this, even with your flesh. When you get there, you can, I'm telling you, you can be able to walk through walls. When I, I'm walking through some walls before I leave this earth. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, yeah, I think it'd be real cool. You know, you know I'm in the nursery, Lord. I'm going to walk through a couple walls, okay? I'm in a nursery still. I want to walk through walls. Okay, but I just want somehow, somehow, I want us to to know more about Him and love Him, you know, and see that He's worth everything. He's worth it, and all this other stuff's not worth it. That's it's just not everything's secondary. And if we can just get that thing in us, that, that thing that burns in us, to know Him, to be with Him, to to enjoy Him. One more, I just promise you, this this is really good. It's this is what Peter said. Say it Peter one thing. Say it Peter one three. Every this is from the message Bible. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. As we get close to Him, everything, that, that's, everything's there. Everything you want, everything that we need is right there. Then it says, the best invitation we ever received. How many people in this room grew up and didn't feel like you measured up? good enough. You were sort of second tier or third tier or fourth tier. Maybe you were like, I didn't even get on a tier. But then you got this invitation. You got an invitation. An invitation. The best invitation you can get. See, you've all got that invitation. You've been invited into something. Okay? God's invited you and I into something We're not left out no more. We've been invited into something grand and awesome. And God wants us to know that the best invitation ever. You'll never get a better invitation than what you've already gotten in Christ. God invited us into His life to know Him, to participate with Him. Father, I just pray that for every person in this room right now. Lord, some of us in this room are stuck in the tent. And our tone of our heart has really gotten more than there. And I believe today you're inviting us to come out. Look what i got for you. Look what I've got for you. You wanted a son. You wanted one child. Forget that. Can you count the stars, Abram? Can you count the stars? You think I would give you one? Look at the stars, man. 
Look at the stars. That's what I want for you to have. And God has blessed every one of us with that same kind of heart, that same thing. Whatever you want, He said, that's all you want. Come with me. Get up from where you are and you come with me. I've got to show you something. I've got so much for you, you can't count it. The only thing that's limiting us is if we just stay there. If we just stay where we're at. That's going to limit us. Ooh, you know, and Dean Stein's one of those stars. Laughing. The Jewish nation. Israel. That's crazy. Sorry, Dean. No, we love that. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that an awesome word from the Lord for Abram? Abram, you want one child? Come on, man. I got millions. Can I tell you one more thing? This is a little secret thought. You know, last year, about this time, actually it was a little bit earlier, you know, Andy was Andy and Dean and Chris was gonna leave and go to Wilmington. And uh, I thought, whoa, Lord, what am I supposed to think about that now, Lord? I mean, I, I want to be kingdom. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, Fire, you know how many worship leaders I got? You know how many elders I got? Do you know how many up and coming leaders I got? That's what he said to me. I said, okay, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm happy, Lord. I refuse to live like that. I refuse to think like that. If you lose your job, you know what God said? You know how many jobs I got? You know how much more money I can give you? When we just refuse all that kind of thinking and say, I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to think that way. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct you down this zigzag path that He's taking you on and get you to the promised land. Get you into everything He has for you. Amen. The Lord, we just declare that over our lives today. Lord, we refuse, we refuse the small thinking of this world and religion. We refuse it. And we step I want you to do something. Can you do something? Can you step? Make a prophetic step. I mean, like, let's just all make a step. And we're saying, Lord, I'm stepping out where I am so I can come into something more. I'm stepping out of the one child mentality into millions. If you want to make that, just take that step. They're going to tell them you are. Just, you got to say it. you got to say it. I'm stepping out, God. I'm stepping into what you have for me. Lord, I refuse. I refuse to think little. I refuse to be defeated, Lord. I refuse to be defeated. Lord, you said we had the victory in Christ. I refuse to beat. Lord, having done all to stand, we stand. That's the victory. We stand and we're going to crush Satan under our feet, Lord. Woo, Jesus. Uh, so the Lord has a lot of stuff. Whatever you feel like it's being taken away from you or you feel like you've lost in the last season, whatever it is, you know what the Lord's saying? Well, I lost my spouse. You know how many spouses I got? Uh. <laughs> I lost my child. You know how many kids I got? Now, I know there's pain. There is hell between. But if you can just know that you can walk to that door and not stop, if you can get out of that tent and keep going, you're going to go through a door and it's going to open up for you. And everything, you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living.
in the land of your life, you're going to see the blessings and faith manifest in a real way in your life like you've never, never seen it. That's the way God wants us to live. Father, we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe they could do a worship song to end or something or something.